Welcome everyone to the <clears throat> live Friday night live edition of American or American of uh, Nomad News. Sorry about that. I'm a little rusty, guys. I haven't done a live stream in a while. <clears throat> I literally was uh, stuffing my face trying to eat before the show started and uh, I choked on my own food and then now I have the hiccups. So just perfect way to start out this uh, live stream broadcast for Friday night. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing good. We got seven people in the room already. I see some familiar faces. Matilda, uh, Nomad, uh, let's see who else we got. Matilda, Random Nomad, who else we got in here? Just want to thank you guys uh, for joining me for this Friday night live of Nomad News. Hope everybody's getting ready for the weekend. What do you guys uh, have planned for the weekend? Anybody got any cool destinations you're heading to? How's the sound? Can everybody hear okay? I'm a little rusty on this live stream thing. Oh, it looks like I'm clipping a little bit. Let me see if I can turn it down just a tad. Hey there, campgoer one. Good to see you. <clears throat> Trying to clear my throat. Hi, Matilda. So good to see you, Matilda. Hopefully, Random Matt is off work. I know he gets off around seven up there in Wisconsin. How's everybody doing tonight? I just wanted to jump on here tonight and touch base with some of you guys. Uh, I know some of you don't know me, and then there's some of you that do know me very well. Sounds great here. Okay, thank you, uh, Camp Goer. I appreciate that. Answer any questions you guys have, maybe. Keeping cool. Good. That's good news. Good to hear. Hey, Jay Holly. I like your last name. You know why I like your last name, Jay Holly? Is because that is actually my last name. If you did not know that. We have the exact same last name. And my last name is actually spelt H-O-L-L-E-Y with an E like yours. But when I was 18 and I registered for a driver's license, I left the E out like Buddy Holly because I'm from Lubbock, Texas. He was a relative of mine. And uh, his name is actually, people don't know this, his actual, his actual name, the singer Buddy Holly, you know, that died in the plane crash with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper back in, what year, 52 or something like that. His last name is actually uh, spelt H-O-L-L-E-Y, but people don't know that. <clears throat> he dropped the E out of his name as well. The Doxinator. What is up, Doxinator? Good to see you guys. Thanks for stopping in. I wasn't even sure if anybody would show up because, uh, you know, I'm not that popular on YouTube these days. Uh, glad to see you guys in here. I thought we'd jump on and talk about any van life stuff. I know a lot of you guys see me in my studio here, and you don't realize that <clears throat> I've been a nomad for going on five years. Oh, my camera won't focus. There it is. Yeah, I've been a nomad going on five years. I'm what's called an urban nomad. I'm kind of like just incredible up in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Buddy Holly glasses. Yeah, I have the Buddy Holly glasses. Exactly. You know, the funny thing is, is, uh, <clears throat> you know, I get that comment all the time about the Buddy Holly glasses, but when I got these glasses, they're old as dirt now, but when I got them, I didn't buy them for, uh, that effect because I'm a relative of Buddy Holly. I bought them, uh, because they were kind of in style for the hipster thing back in like Long Beach where I was from, uh, or where I lived, uh, several years ago. 
and it was like all the rave to have these kind of glasses. So that's kind of what I got them. And now, you know, I didn't even realize, yeah, they are buddy Holly glasses. <clears throat> no fear to track. What is going on, buddy? Good to see you guys. Like I said, I have uh, some old faces in here. Oh, we got 13 people. Lucky 13. Uh, you know, what's funny is I'm, I'm embracing the number 13. I grew up very superstitious. I have no idea why my grandmother was very superstitious as a native American. So I think I just kind of got some of that stuff passed on to me. And, uh, I mean, she would do stuff like, uh, she believed stuff like, like just crazy stuff, like no hats on the bed. Um, you know, and she never used profanity. I never heard her use profanity. I never saw her wear a pair of slacks or pants. She always wore a dress. She didn't believe in wearing a woman should wear pants, just weird things, but she was super, super superstitious. And I guess she passed that on to me. So all this time I've always felt like 13 was a bad luck number. And it was weird because I was talking to somebody not too long ago when something 13 came up, this was like two or three weeks ago. And I don't remember what it was, but 13 came up and I went, Oh my God, 13. And, uh, <clears throat> Oh yeah, I was playing call of duty and I kept getting 13 kills and that kept freaking messing with my mind because like, I'm thinking, Oh man, that's bad luck. I'm gonna have a bad round next time. I would be trying so hard not to get 13 to get that 14th kill in call of duty. And then it, I'd end on 13 and I just, it would psych me out. And then the next two or three games would just be terrible. So I was talking to somebody else about it as we were playing and they're like, dude, I look at it as lucky 13. <clears throat> it's all about what you think about it. And so I just like, you know what, you know, I'm going to try to manifest that. And so I'm never going to like look at 13. I'm going to try not to look at 13 as like, it freaks me out or anything like that. I'm going to look at, if I get it, I'm like, Oh, it's good luck. 13. So I've been doing that. And, and the 13 still pops up for me all the time, but I don't get like wigged out about it. And just, I was playing call of duty the other night, uh, a couple of nights ago, got a 13 and a couple of times in a row and literally just started slaying afterwards. I was like, Oh, there's lucky 13. So weird. And the thing about it is, is I don't believe that it's, uh, you know, like any kind of, you know, any kind of real superstition thing. I believe it's all in my head. You know what I mean? I think it's just, a, I'm playing head games with myself. If you believe 30, if you believe 13 is a bad luck number, that's what you're going to manifest. And that's what you're going to have is bad luck with 13. But if you can change that and flip that around where 13 is a good luck number, I think it'll be good luck for you. Anybody else feel that way? Am I the only, uh, moron that's superstitious? Sherry Sullivan B B what's going on. Sherry says, let's see, what does Sherry say here? Let's see if we can see what Sherry says. Oh, uh, that's the wrong one. There we go. Sherry says, nothing wrong with the number 13. My son was born on Friday the 13th. Wow. See, that's another date that used to freak me out was uh, Friday the 13th. One thing uh, one thing people don't know, so, or a lot of people do know, but a lot of people don't know is uh, I used to work back in the day, back in the 90s, I worked in high-rise building maintenance, like for skyscrapers. Like we were called the, you know, building engineers, but you're not really a building engineer. You're just a glorified maintenance man. But I worked in high rise buildings and uh, doing maintenance for high rise uh, commercial buildings. And one thing that I, I found or, or one thing that, that you'll notice in a lot of high rise buildings or mid rise, high rise buildings, anything that's over like 10 stories is considered a mid rise. Is it or is it seven stories? 
can't remember, maybe seven stories. I think anything over seven stories is considered a mid-rise. And then a high-rise is anything over 10 stories. Um, that might have changed. But anyway, uh, if you get on an elevator in a lot of older buildings, even newer buildings, especially in different parts of the country, you get in a building and start to go up, there's no 13th floor. It'll go from 12 to 14. There's no 13th floor. And the reason that is, is because so many people are superstitious or at one time were superstitious and scared of the number 13. I literally went to an apartment complex one time and somebody played a joke on me and told me to go to apartment 13 and there was no apartment 13. I walked around for like 30 minutes trying to find apartment 13 and there was no apartment 13. That same thing. Let's see what Matilda says. Matilda says, I like 13 now. I retired in 2013. Let's put her comment up here. See what she had to say here. Matilda says, I like 13 now. I retired in 2013. Love living on my pension. Just wish it was bigger. Oh, my God. I hear you on that, Matilda. You know, one thing I've learned uh, about money, and one reason I live a min- try to live a minimalistic life these days or very downplayed compared to what I used to here in Los Angeles is one thing I learned. So this, this is going to sound like braggadocious. I don't mean it to be braggadocious, but I have a watch. I'm very proud of this watch because I worked very hard and it took me a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears to be able to afford this watch. It doesn't look like much. But I have a 2003 Snap-on truck out in the parking lot um, that's a retired Snap-on truck, if you know what Snap-on tools are. It's an MT-45 Freightliner, and that's my rig that I live in. And uh, this watch costs more than that truck did. So I paid a pretty penny for this watch, and I was really proud of it. And one time I was at a table, we were in Italy, and I was at a table with several other people and we were in Rome and I was sitting at this table and the discussion broke out about our watches. And I was very proud to be able to like, you know, felt like I could join into that conversation. And lo and behold, I had the very, very, very bottom end, lowest end watch at the table at one of the lowest end watches at the table. There was guys I was sitting with that had watches that cost over a hundred thousand dollars. So it just let me know right there that it doesn't matter. Money really doesn't matter because it doesn't matter how much money you have. Unless you're Jeff Bezos, somebody's always going to have more money than you. You know what I mean? So it's just like, what's, what does it matter? Money is just a tool to make life easier. The thing I love about money is money equals freedom. So the more money you have, the more freedom you can have in some instances if you can get your money to work right for you and if you don't live above your means, which is what I love about van life and what I love about the nomadic, minimalistic, tiny home movement and that kind of stuff. Let's jump back into the chat, see what you guys got to say. No fear to track. The more you make, the more you spend. Exactly no fear. And there's an old Jay-Z song. I don't know if any of you guys know who Jay-Z is, but there's an old song called, uh, um, more money, more money, more problems. And that is, man, that is so true. When I was running a really high-end commercial photography business here in LA, I literally would have to sit down at a table for an hour, at least once a month 
usually once a week and sit there and write out checks and sign checks and go through bills because I had so many bills coming in from stuff like equipment rentals and paying out employees and contractors. And man, it was just, I made a lot of money, but it was just, it got to be more than I wanted to deal with. I'm much happier now just doing my little thing here in my little office that I rent than when I was running. Now, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of beautiful things that I did that most people would fantasize about. Um, Places I traveled, people I traveled with, but it just, in the long run, I was so stressed out all the time because I had so many deadlines going on and so many so many people riding on the money that I made because I had to pay them. Anybody that owns a company or runs a company will get what I'm talking about. Kathleen Klein, good to see you on the set of The Sopranos. You know, I never worked on that show. I never worked on The, sh- the Sopranos. Is that something to do with the letter 13? For those of you that don't know, I work in the entertainment industry in L.A. and have for a long, long time. Mostly what I'm doing now is uh, assistant directing music videos because that's the thing I can make the most money at and have the least responsibility. (laughs) I've directed music videos. I've directed some very famous music videos, but now I just uh, like being what's called a second AD or a second second AD, usually a second assistant director. Uh, because I don't have as much paperwork. I don't have all the paperwork and have all the stuff. Well, you know, you have to do the call sheet and stuff. So, which is a complete pain in the butt and the one liners and things like that. Mm, Kathleen Klein. Hi, Kathleen. Good to see you. She goes, if you get desperate, you can pawn the watch, the snap on truck. Not so much. Exactly. You know, that's funny. You say that Kathleen, because that's one reason I hold on to this watch. Cause you know, if uh, there was ever a crazy emergency, I could definitely get rid of the watch. And there's been a couple of times I've thought about getting rid of it. I've had people offer to buy it from me and I'm like, you know, I think I'll sell it. It's not that big a deal. And uh, I have, I've just kept it. And the funny thing is, is this is the most expensive, expensive watch I've ever owned. It's a Breitling and it literally doesn't even keep the time. You have to send it in to keep it under warranty. You have to send it in once a year uh, to Breitling and they have to do like a maintenance checkup on it. That costs three or $400 a year when you do it. And I haven't done that in years. So it no longer even, it's just like a, I don't even know what it is. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a bracelet because it doesn't even tell the time right. I can set it and it just starts losing time. So I don't even set it anymore. Uh, let's jump back into the chat. See what you guys have to say. Janice Williams. Hi, Janice. Good to see you guys. Uh, some studies have shown that people get happier as their salaries grow to about 70 to 80,000 a year. Annually. After that, the money you make, make your happiness meter go, gets lower. You know what? That is so funny you say that, Janice, because I absolutely 100% agree with that statement. Because I have made about 70, 80,000 and had a lot of time for doing, you know, my own stuff, had a lot of freedom. But once I got up over that, it just became more headache. It just wore me down, if that makes sense. Um, 
the more I, when I started making really good, what's considered really good money, like, uh, yeah, I, uh, it just, uh, it beat me down because there's so much pressure. Cause you're, cause I was working on such big things that it just, it, it would freak me out. And man, there was just always, uh, so much pressure going on with deadlines and things like that. So I totally agree with that. I don't think you need more than that, right? What is that? That's like, uh, what is that? Like 8,500 a month. I mean, if you can't live off 8,500 a month, I mean, you, I mean, 8,500 a month is, it sounds a lot, but you know, I know people that are making that a week, so it's not that much depending, you know what I mean? So, but the problem is, is the people that are making that in a week, they are living in huge houses out in, you know, uh, Mountain View Estates and Calabasas or Hidden Hills or, you know, and they're just making so much money. But, you know, just in the house alone that they live in can cost them a million dollars a year in property taxes. Just crazy. And can you imagine a million dollars a year in property taxes? That's crazy. Uh, Art Murphy goes, do you have the move? Do you have to move your rig every night? So I'm going to, so on this live stream, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret that, is, and I don't do this stuff and there's reason behind it. And one of the reasons I don't do this kind of stuff is because, uh, when I was in my camper van, which I had to get out of because the cities were just really cutting, uh, really becoming really strict about campers and, you know, B-class vans and stuff like that. So that's why I got into the Snap-on truck. But there used to be a parking lot, a place in downtown Long Beach. You know what? Let's see if we can bring it up. That's what's fun about this uh, little software that I pay for, $30 a month that I very rarely use. Let me do a screen. Give me a second, guys. Let me hit the wrong button here, but I'm going to try to do a share screen. And let me find the right screen. Share. Okay. So now we'll bring up a browser. There we go. So let me think what it was called. I wonder if I can make this bigger for you guys. Look at this. Okay this bigger and and if you're wondering the picture there if you see the picture the reason i have that picture i'll shrink this the reason this picture is there is because this is a photo i took i've been a photographer for many years so my wallpaper is always usually a picture that i took that i took myself and let's stretch this out up here so it takes up the full screen there we go I wonder if I could have just, I guess I could have just done this, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's do this. Uh, the place is not acres of books, of books, Long Beach, California. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Okay. So we'll go to images here. And I'm going to show you guys one of my secret places that I used to park in downtown Long Beach. I mean, right in the heart of downtown Long Beach, California. So there was this building down there called Acres of Books. This is it. This is the building. And it went a whole city block. This is one block, and then it would stretch all the way to the other end of the block. And that's why it was called an Acres of Books. <clears throat> 
and not on this side uh, where this where this uh, step van is. That's what I have now is a step van, a uh, snap-on truck. Not where this step van is, but on the other side of the building, there was a huge parking lot there. Uh, let me see. Yep. Uh, nope, that's not it. Let's see if I can find a picture of it. Here we go. Right here. Bam. That's what I love about the internet. So <clears throat> I can't make it any bigger. Can you guys see this? Okay. Let me see if I can make it bigger. There we go. So this was acres of books. So see this parking lot right here. Well, acres of books. Uh, I can't remember what caused it, but it went out of business several years ago. <clears throat> so this, when I, when I first moved to downtown Long Beach, this, this was, you could go in there. It was a, it was an operating bookstore. But it was such a fire hazard because this building had been there since like the 30s. And there was books in there from like 50s, 60s, 70s. So I always thought about this building just being like kindling. Like if it ever caught on fire, it would have went up and it would have been, it would have burned down in 10 minutes. There was so many old books in this building. But I loved the place because it was like walking back in time almost going in there. I mean, they didn't even dust anything. It was like an old warehouse almost in there. But I would go in there and find little gems of books. But what I, but when I moved out of Long Beach to Joshua Tree for three years, and then I went in full time when I got rid of my house in Joshua Tree and started full timing in my camper van, when I would come back to Long Beach and visit friends, I would pull in and park right down here where this black Chevy pickup is or whatever it is, this black pickup is. I would park my camper right there, right? And I did that for two years. And one time I stayed here for like two weeks and then somebody came in and rented this parking lot out and you could actually rent a space to park your RV. So there was an RV that used to set right here. That was a lazy days and it sat there for like a year. So I would pull in here like late at night and just park and everybody just thought my RV was, you know, like this old lazy days that used to set right here. And I would park there all the time and I would go visit friends. I'd go out and party, go drinking, go do whatever I wanted to do while I was in Long Beach. And then a couple of years ago, I'm going to show you guys, let's see, is it, uh, let me go to YouTube. Pipe, YouTube, and we will look for Vag. So if you guys don't know, my old van life channel, this channel used to be called Vagabond, Vagabond Days when I was in my camper van. There's my old camper van right there. Let's see. It's so funny because people think I'm not a nomad. You can look through videos on this channel and find where I was traveled all over the damn country in my camper van. So if we go through videos, I'm going to show you guys something really quick, though. So here's the snap-on truck I have now right there. That's at RTR, or van build in 2019. Uh, there's my snap-on truck right there. But I want to go to... One of my, here we go, right here, boondocking in Long Beach, California. This video right here, you can see my camper van parked right there in that parking lot I just showed you guys. And I did this video, and it only has 1.2 thousand views, right? Which is not very many for a YouTube video. Uh, but here's the kicker. I released this video three years ago 
when I was staying down there one time and I was vlogging all the time while I was riding around, uh, living in my camper van in LA. And I went back like a month after this video was released and there was literally 10 RVs in that spot, in my spot, in, 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 in my, in my parking lot there, there was at least 10 RVs. And then I was like, Oh man. So nobody commented or said anything like, Hey, we're going to go check out your spot. But when I got back there, 10 RVs, there was 10 other RVs staying in that spot. And then I had a buddy of mine that was a subscriber of my channel. He came into town and he, he hit me up. He's like, Hey Rav, do you know, I'm going to be in like down towards long beach. Do you know anywhere I could park down there? And I was like, Oh man. Yeah, actually I do. But just keep it D on the DL please. Because when I'm, you know, I keep it really quiet, you know, when I'm over there, uh, because you're really not supposed to be parking there, but yeah, you can park here. Cause that's where I park. So he had a little B class camper. So he went and parked over there. The first morning that he wakes up the first morning he wakes up from staying there and somebody had pulled in at a B class camper van and their van, their propane stove caught on fire and completely burned up their rig and in, and ended up burning up the car next to it. So the next time I went back there, like two weeks later, he, he, he sent me pictures and a video of it happening. He goes, Hey man, I just woke up and he goes, I think your spot's going to be gone here. I think your secret spot's going to be gone. I'm like, Oh no, like what's happened. He goes, and he sends me a picture of this van on fire. I'm like, Oh my God. Sure enough. I go back two weeks later, it's big signs. So now they've turned it into a parking lot that you could pay to park, but there's big signs on it that says no RVs, no campers. So I was like, yep, there you go. That's what I get for making a YouTube video. So now I keep my stuff pretty secret. But I'm going to give you guys how I do, how I work, how I work things here in LA. So I have my snap-on truck that you saw in, uh, right here. Let me show you again. So this is my snap-on truck. And so afterwards, when I got my snap-on truck, I would go back down there and park right there again once I had the snap-on truck. And because it wasn't a camper van or an RV, I parked there for three, four, five days. Nobody paid it any attention being a snap-on truck parked there. But if it had been a camper, I would have got ran out of there or an RV. But anyway, the way I work here in LA now is I rent an office in Orange County. And it's very, very, very economical. Like I couldn't even rent a studio apartment for half of what I pay for this office. Does that make sense? And then I have my truck that I have it's not even built out. I have like a futon in there. I have a refrigerator, a microwave, a 32 inch TV. And that's about it. You know, it's just, uh, it's like a man cave. There's some videos here on YouTube where you can see it. And, um, on the inside of it that I just posted to, to the shorts the other day. But, um, the other great thing about it here is in this parking lot or this, uh, my office is I can have one commercial vehicle parked in the parking lot it means I can store one commercial vehicle here. So I don't even have to move. All I have to do is leave my office, go down and just get in my truck. I just can't be seen going in and out. Like I live in it. Does that make sense? I have to be pretty much on the down low. I have to get out before everybody shows up. The first guy that gets to the office gets here about five 30 in the morning. So 
what a lot of people don't know about me is I'm nocturnal. So I'm a night owl, which means I go to bed sometimes at four, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. And I get up like at 11 a.m. Like 1130 a.m. is when I got up this morning. I think I went to bed at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. and then got up at six or seven or I mean 1130 a.m. So that raises no suspicion, if that makes sense. But that's how I've learned to, and I just stumbled onto it. And then it's funny because the guy that manages my building actually is a nomad and I didn't even know it. And he, he rents this whole floor out and subleases it. And then, uh, him and I got to talking and found out that he's got a, a box truck, a commercial box truck that he built out. That's been featured on tiny home tours. So it was just like one of those destiny things. It was just uh, meant to be, I was going to show you guys the shorts see how this works. Oh, it's right here. It's this one right here. So I can show you guys the video. So this is the inside of my snap-on truck. So there's the TV, microwave, refrigerator, it's a 10 cubic inch. It's got a little DVD player in the ceiling, but my little electric bike. And there's the futon that pulls out into, and then I have a big high back office chair. So that is my man cave. And that's how I do it. And I planned on building it out, but I don't know if I want to build that rig out now. I may want to get something different. Uh, Janice Williams says, could you live in the office? You know, Janice, I could live in the office. I don't know about live in the office, but I could, I can stay in the office. I stay in the office if that makes sense. Because like I said, I sleep a lot of times during the day. So sometimes I'll come in from the truck and I have like a futon or a little couch in my office and I'll lay down on the couch. Or sometimes I'll be working during the day and I'm getting to be an old ass man, older than dirt. So sometimes I will get up and go lay down on my little couch and take a nap, you know, like at three o'clock in the afternoon for a couple of hours. I don't sleep a whole lot. I sleep about four to six hours anyway, if that makes sense. Let's jump back into the chat, see what you guys have to say. But I don't tell a lot of people that because if all of these, if all of the nomads go out there and start renting up offices to, you know, and the other thing is not every office building will let you keep a commercial truck. Luckily, uh, you, here you can have one commercial vehicle for your business in my parking lot, if that makes sense. And then when I'm working on a music video, like I just worked on a music video out in Reseda, which is 65 miles from where I'm sitting. So I drive out to Reseda and I stay out there the entire time I'm on set. I don't drive 65 miles back. That's why I have that truck. So I just stay out there. So the truck is gone from my office building the entire time I'm working. Does that make sense? And the way I've got things structured, I only have to work two to four days a month on set to be able to cover all of my bills and have plenty of money to eat and plenty of money to do what I want to do. And with a little YouTube earnings that I make, which is not a whole lot anymore. At one time on YouTube, people don't realize this. I have two channels and they barely have a little over 10,000 subscribers for both of them. But both channels used to make about $350, $400 a month. Not so much anymore. Now it's like a couple hundred, 
for this channel. And that's it. Let's see. Let's jump back in and see what you guys have to say. Uh, note to uh, no fear detracts 70, 80,000 allows for secure comfort. Exactly. Uh, camper goer one says I have a gal friend in LA singer songwriter, Kara Conley. Do you know her? No, I don't. I might, if I saw her, I might know who she is, but I don't know her. Uh, the doxinator goes, do you meet a lot of famous people? The doxinator I've met more famous people than you would have any idea. You would have, it would blow your mind if I told you all the famous people that I know. Like literally one of the most famous people in the world is one of my very best friends in the world. And him and I, we've traveled all over the world together as, as friends, you know, and his family and stuff. I, I originally worked for him for a while. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the thing about living in the office, Janice, Janice asked me if I could live in the office. The thing about living in the office is I don't want to push my luck because I have such a good thing, a good thing going. So, like I said, I try to get out of here so they can see me coming and going. That makes sense. But I don't think that my uh, landlord would have a problem with it as long as I keep a very low profile. But I just don't want to push my luck. Janice Williams says, I was thinking about getting a minivan. I was thinking about getting a minivan to build out. I don't want to do the build out though. I prefer to hire out for that. You know, what's funny is, is I can build out and I'm just too lazy. I mean, I love watching people build out their rigs, but I'm right with you, Janice. That's why my snap on truck has not been built out is because I want to have the money just to pay somebody to build it out. I don't want to do it myself. I don't have any, I don't have any desire to build out the truck myself. I just, I do want to be able to do the architecture for it. You know, the, the plans of how I want it done. You know, my, my big plan was if this YouTube thing had a really taken off, my big plan was to build that truck out and live on the road. Be, I would have been probably like in Colorado right now, like my buddy, the bread trucker up in, you know, Colorado, uh, he's got the step van bread truck. He makes plenty of money off of his YouTube and his TikTok to travel. That's all he does. He just travels in his bread truck, you know, like nomadic fanatic, like all of them have. But for me, it never, the YouTube thing never worked, has never worked out. So I do the YouTube thing, but what I really do is, uh, you know, I'm a director, assistant director. And so that's what I really do. My dog is barking, so I don't know if somebody's knocking on the door or what. Um, but that's why I'm stuck to L.A., because I have to be able to go work two to four, five days a month to be able to sustain myself. And that's a perfect job for me, because I have all the other time to do to be free to do whatever I want to do. Uh, Expedition Astro goes, do you have any trips planned at this time? Expedition? Absolutely not. I have no trips planned. I've pretty much stayed very uh, static to here to L.A. Uh, just for the simple fact with the pandemic and everything, I was saving every penny and it cost a lot of money to travel. Uh, people don't understand that. So 
you know, used to what I used to do is I would book onto like a feature film or like a TV show or something like that. And I would book on his staff and I would work the thing the entire time. So sometimes to, to work a season on a TV show will take two or three months. And then when that season or when that, when it ends, uh, you're basically unemployed. People don't understand that's the way the entertainment ministry works. So when you book onto a show, if you book on as a, as a staff assistant director, you got to go every day and you're working 12 hour minimum. The days are a 12 hour minimum. So you people cry about working an eight hour day. When you work in, on the, in the film industry, it's a 12 hour minimum. I mean, you don't even start getting overtime until you've worked 12 hours. So it's a 12 hour minimum, but you get paid for a 12 hour, whether you work the 12 hours or not, you get paid for 12 hours, but you're going to work 12 hours, usually 14, 15 hours a day, six, five, five, six days a week. But in the, but all your food, you know, they, you, they have catering, you have crafty, all of that stuff is provided for you. So you're literally spending no money as you're working. So what I would do is book onto a show. And by the time that show ended after two or three months, my bank account would be stacked. And then I would just go travel until I started running out of money. And then I would come back to LA and try to book onto another show. And then the pandemic hit uh, and things started winding down. And I took a job as a creative director at a garment facility with a friend of mine who was the CEO that owned the company uh, like two years ago. And then I got laid off with the pandemic, but I had a perfect situation there because I had a big studio and I didn't pay anything for it. I had a 1200 foot, 1200 square foot office studio, photography studio, and I didn't pay anything for it because it was part of my work. I mean, my work provided it. And then there was a park right next door, like a city park right next door to our, our warehouse and garment manufacturing facility. There was a park right next door and I had my truck parked at the park right on the, you know, they had the, a street and I parked right there. So all I had to do was walk out of my office, walk down around and then right into my truck. So that was, but the only bad part about that was it was literally in one of the roughest worst parts of LA you can imagine. You guys don't even, even have any idea that there's parts of LA that look like that. It was called, it's called, uh, it's called uh, Florence Graham. And if you know anything about the 1992 LA riots, the light, the riots started, started at, at, in Florence. So the riots literally started about a half a mile from where my office was in 92. All right, let's jump back in here and see what you guys got to say. So we're at 39 minutes, guys. We're going to probably run this for about an hour. We'll see. We got one person in here from Facebook. Who's in here from Facebook? We're simul we're, I'm simulcasting this, so it's going to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And luckily, we have seem to have a good enough uh, internet connection tonight to do it. Sometimes we have problems. Tasha Teeling. What's going on, Tasha? You're, you sound sick. Maybe you have the Sigma variant. It's coming soon to a country theater. <laughs> uh, do I sound sick? Uh, that's weird. I don't feel sick. Uh, Janice Williams says, if anyone knows, let's see. If anyone knows of any professional carpenters, I'd be interested. Most of them seem to be in NorCal and further north, Washington and British Columbia. Where are you at, Janice? Are you in Southern California? 
where are you at? There's a lot of van builders around here. The only problem is that with, uh, you know, I sound raspy. Yeah, I am kind of raspy. What happened was I was uh, stuffing my face, Tasha, before the pod or before the live stream tonight. And I was eating real fast. I literally went and got my my food like at 6.49 and I had to be on air at 7.30. And so I was just shoveling food in my face and I choked. <clears throat> and then I tried to drink something and it went down the wrong windpipe. So right as I was getting ready to go live, I was literally hacking and coughing and then got the hiccup. So I was like, oh boy, this is great. So that's probably why I sound raspy. Oh, you're in Los Angeles, Janice? Wow. I'm in, I'm in uh, Orange County. I'm in Fullerton over by the college, but I used to be in, I was in LA until about a year ago. I got, as a matter of fact, it was a year ago today. I just realized that one year ago today, I moved into my office here. I saw my little uh, memory thing popped up earlier. So I've been in this office one year, but I was in, I was four miles south of downtown LA off the 110. Florence and the 110 is where I was at, Janice, if you know where that's at, for when I, before I moved over here to Orange County. But L.A. got so bad, I had to get the hell out of L.A. <clears throat> so anyway, Janice, yes, there are carpenters. I had found one out in Long Beach uh, that I thought about doing, uh, working on, on my truck. But what you... The thing that you're going to run into with these people that build out your rigs, maybe not with a minivan, but like a regular van, like I've seen people get estimates or guesstimates by these van builders, and it's like 60 grand, which is absolutely ludicrous. If you go look at my buddy Paul Barger's bread truck, his step van, the bread trucker on YouTube, if you look at the inside of his bread truck, that thing is just it's, it's amazing what he's done building that thing out. Now, granted, Paul is not a professional carpenter, but, and the craziest thing about that, that truck is he built it out, out himself. And most of the things that he built it out with is stuff he went dumpster diving for, or he found sitting beside dumpsters, pallets, like his whole kitchen cabinets were some cabinets that were being thrown away. That was being put, that got pulled out of a doctor's office and he flipped them upside down and made kitchen cabinets out of them. And I told him when I looked at them, I'm like, these are amazing cabinets. And, but they would not have worked if he would have put them up right up right side up because all the handles of the hardware would have been on the ceiling, but he was smart enough just to flip them upside down. So the handles and everything were on the bottom. I'm like, I probably wouldn't even have thought of that. I would have looked at him and went, no, nope, these won't work. Cause all the hardware is on the top. But anyway, so yeah, a lot of the band van builders charge a load of money and wood and stuff is so expensive right now. But if I hear anybody, um, I will definitely let you know, Janice. And another place you can look is, is, uh, on Facebook. I don't recommend a lot of Facebook stuff. I'm not real high on the Facebook stuff, the groups and stuff and stuff. I'm, I'm a member of several of the van life Facebook groups, but let me tell you about the Facebook groups. If you don't know what I've experienced over the last five years with these van life Facebook groups that pop up and this is no BS. 
there's a lot of people in those groups that are giving advice on what you need to do as a van lifer. And then when you start really asking them, well, how long have you been van lifing? How long have you been a nomad? How long have you been doing it? And they're like, oh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm getting ready. Uh, you know, I'm getting ready to move out of my house. You know, I, I'm getting there. You know, I'm going to be buying a van. And they're sitting there giving people advice on what they need to do. And they haven't one day in their life lived or, you know, this one girl wanted to argue with me. She goes, I used to travel with my dad when I was a kid. We used to go every summer and travel for a month. I'm like, how old were you? She's like, I was seven or eight. I'm like, can you think that's going to give you the, to be able to, to be in this group? And it was her group. She owned the group. And I said, you think that gives you the experience to be telling these people what they need to do? Because she was right there to answer every single question. Didn't matter what they asked, if it was solar, if it was how they needed to park or whatever they needed to do. So there's a lot of masters in those Facebook groups. So be very careful in those Facebook groups, but you can find people that can help you build out your rig in those Facebook groups, but just take them with a grain of salt and be sure to vet people very well because everybody in those Facebook groups, more, more, there's, there's probably 95% of the people in those Facebook groups have never van life today in their life. You have a very tiny minority in those Facebook groups that are actually nomads and they very rarely post. I'll go into one of those groups and I'll go, Oh, I know that. I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. I know who they are. And a question will get asked and nobody that I know that's a real van lifer answers the questions, but there'll be 50 people that you look at them and you know, they, they show their barbecuing in their backyard on the weekend, but they're, they're answering the van life questions. So that's my biggest problem with Facebook or any shysters. I call them shysters, you know, people that are dreaming it, but they want to answer the questions, you know, like you have no experience. Shut the f up, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. So I, I try to stay out of those Facebook groups, but you can find some people in there that do build out vans. And if you check the Facebook market and I'll get off my soapbox now, Caravan Carolyn, good to see you. Uh, Expedition Astro, build it yourself. Yeah, a minivan is not too hard to do. A little bit of framing to frame your bed in. Uh, let's see, Camper Goer 1, let's see what she says. I paid 4K to get my Toyota RV built out and it wasn't even worth it. Yeah, 4K is the dream estimate. If you can get somebody that can actually do it for 4K that actually knows what they're doing. But if you look, you know, I take like, um, you know, a guy like Chrome from Van City Van Life. Now, if you look at what Chrome has done with that van he's got, he's he hasn't really done anything. He bought like, like prefabbed stuff. Does that make sense? He bought prefab stuff to put in his van. So with my Snap-on truck, that's exactly what I'm going to do too. If I decide to keep the Snap-on truck and build it out, I'm going to get like commercial cabinets from like a shop. Like you would get like snap-on tool cabinets. That's the kind of stuff I'm going to get to build out my truck. It's going to look more like a, a music studio than it is going to look like a cabin, if that makes sense. You just got to be careful getting the prefab stuff. But like, uh, so if I want like a tall cabinet, I would get like a tool garage, those big, tall tool garage cabinets like you can get at Home Depot. You can get them, you know, they're like diamond plated. You know, and then I would drill holes and just bolt them to the walls and they're metal. 
So the only major thing that you have to worry about if you get big steel cabinets like that is you'll have to get like the, uh, the, the styrofoam or what do you call it? The uh, neoprene strips and you'll have to soundproof them because they'll rattle like crazy. I used to drive a air conditioning. Uh, I used to do HVAC and refrigeration and I had a, a van at one time and I got out of the van into a Ford super cab, new super cab, because that van rattled so much. It drove me crazy. What I ended up doing was buying that neoprene stuff, that insulation for like doors and trying to get the, cause I had all of the big tool setups for like a work van and that thing. It was a Ford Econoline. Exactly like the one that uh camper van Carolyn caravan carolyn used to have actually i think mm, let's see carolyn you're welcome you do a great job and educate your viewers see what you guys are talking about godspeed super beast what is up godspeed super beast um i want to build out a u-haul expedition astro i want to build out a u-haul I see some U-Hauls up for auction from time to time. You know, it probably wouldn't be a bad build-out expedition because what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of those U-Hauls have that big overhead. You can get a bigger overhead in certain U-Haul trucks than you can even in RV. It's got a huge overhead that you can literally set up in and have a good foot over your head if you get the right U-Haul. And you don't see that in very many box trucks, that big overhead. And you, you know, if you got one of those U-Hauls with that big overhead, you could literally build your bedroom up there like a slide-in camper. So it's, that's not a bad, and if you got a diesel like a Ford with a 7.3, mom's attic room on U-Hauls, exactly, Matilda. You always know exactly the right, right words, Matilda. When my old brain won't figure, won't, won't, uh, comprehend or calculate them or pull them up. The only thing that I worry about with U-Hauls is people abuse those things like crazy, like really abuse them sometimes. Like I knew a guy one time he rented a U-Haul and he kept throwing it in reverse, just like trying to trans trash the transmission like I was working in an apartment complex and he was just running around him and his buddies was like just driving it and throwing it in reverse and then listen to the transmission grind and laughing. And I was walking by him and go, what a bunch of idiots. So just make sure you get a good one if you get a U-Haul. And uh, with a U-Haul, you're not going to get a diesel because U-Haul don't buy diesels. They're all gas engines. So, you know, that is what you, that is what, it is what it is. A lot of people don't want a diesel. Uh, myself, people don't understand a diesel pulls so much better when you have a lot of weight. And uh, with my with my old camper van, I'll show you. Let me pull it up here. Vagabond days. So with my old camper van, oh, that's still YouTube which is, let me see if I can find a better, just a picture of my van. Let's see.
type. I can't type anymore. So let's see if we can. So there it is. There's my old camper van, my old Dodge right there. Let's see, there it is right there. There's a good picture of it. So uh, that's my old camper van that I lived in for two and a half, three years. And cool little van, cool little bleep B plus camper ran great. Never really had too many problems with it. 10 miles per gallon. It literally got maybe 10 miles per gallon. Now I could stand up in it. Uh, it had a dry bath in the back with a shower, full kitchen, some refrigerator. I don't know if I can find any, if I can find any, uh, in, interior pictures of it on here, but this is my Apple truck I have now. So this is my truck now. So the crazy thing about it is see how big this damn truck is. This truck is so much bigger in size than that camper van. I have so much more room on the inside of this truck. This truck gets two miles per gallon better than that little camper van. That camper van got two, two, I mean, 10 miles per gallon as a gas engine. It had a 440 big block, uh, 440 big block, uh, Dodge engine in it. Uh, this Mopar, whatever, this truck has a um, 24 valve Cummings diesel with an Allen Allison automatic transmission in it, and I get 12, 13 miles per gallon in this in this uh, diesel. I can fill this truck up, and I can drive all the way to Quartzsite or from here in LA. I can drive from LA to Parker, Arizona, on one on one on one fill up, and it costs about. 80 to a hundred bucks to fill it up. Well, depending on the fuel prices now, it's a little more than that, but back a year or, you know, when I went to Parker the last time, I think I filled it up and it was like $88 and drove all the way to Parker and, and drove all around van build and everything else and didn't get fuel until I left there. But that camper van I had, I would have had to stop and got diesel and or gas in like uh, Palm Springs or Indio or somewhere. That thing went through so much fuel. Like when I went from here to Texas, oh my God, that thing cost me so much in fuel and back. Uh, let's see. No fear to Trek says, I like the metal cabinets, RB components of the Santa Fe Springs makes. I got some of their stuff in my five boy, five point five by eight toy hauler. Nice. Yeah, there's several different companies that make, uh, you know, the, the metal cabinets. What I found is... The cheaper ones have like a, that rattly tin and you don't really want those. Some of them have like the, the particle wood, you know, they're, they're like diamond plate, fake diamond plate on the front. Those aren't too bad because you can uh, really bolt them into your ride, but you just can't ever get them wet. Cause if they ever get wet, they're done for. Matilda says every time. I get this a lot. Every time I see a snap-on truck, I think of you. Saw one in, on Laverne a couple of weeks ago. Nice. It's so funny you say that. Like, I don't much anymore, but when I used to really put a lot of stuff out there on my Instagram about my snap-on truck, or when I was really active on my American Nomad Instagram account, um, people literally would send me videos or send me uh, pictures all the time and go, is this you? there's a snap-on truck here at the so-and-so. Is this you? I'd be like, no, looks a lot like mine, but that one's not me. So if you guys don't know, I do have a, 
I have a nomad Instagram account. I just am not very active on it anymore. And it's all American Nomad. So I'll bring it up for you guys here so you can see it. If you want to follow me on, or if you want to see some of my stuff on Instagram, see if it'll come up here. And there we go. There's my Instagram account. I got some videos on here. I haven't even looked at this stuff in a while. Scadden Wash, BLM. So that was Step Van Rowe. And this, there's my snap-on truck. That was RTR. We all went to PartyR. We didn't actually go to the RTR. My, that was all the step vans. We had about six, seven, eight step vans. At 20, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. And a couple more rolled in. Good times. And my very last picture is, I don't know if you guys know who Wes is with Transcendence Exist and Transcendence Existence. That's his bus that he built out. That's my snap-on truck right beside his bus. And if you've never seen his bus, there are um, YouTube videos showing the inside of his bus. And Wes is a metal fabricator, like a carpenter. I mean... Anything on, he built this thing out himself. So, and it's amazing. So go look at transcendence uh, and look at the inside of this bus. Cause what he did with the inside of his bus is what I eventually wanted to do with my snap on truck. So go check it out. Cause uh, pretty amazing stuff. ZenQuest journey. What is up ZenQuest? I remember running into you at RTR, I think, in 2019, ZenQuest. Are you still on the road? Or we were at the Party R, I should say. We were all parked over at the Party R. Tasha Teeling says, where is Paul at? Paul Barger? Uh, the last I heard from Paul, he was up in Wyoming. He had been to Colorado and went to a couple of tiny home fests up there. And then he headed up to uh, Wyoming. So they were up in Wyoming. Just a couple of days ago. Uh, Camper Van Carolyn says, what is your IG? My IG is, let me see if I can put it up here. There's a banners thing. Just have to make it. See if I can make it here. Give me a second here. Let me see if I can get these toys to work, Carolyn. this works bam there's my instagram and i don't post a whole lot on there anymore but if people really started watching it again i would probably post to the stories more let's see no fear to trek will probably do courtside for the big tent in january I wonder what's going to go on this January. Has anybody heard? I don't think I, I have this sneaky, sneaky suspicion that 
that uh, RTR is done. I don't think RTR is going to come back. I do want to show you guys something really quick uh, on my Instagram. So um, this is something I have that I've never installed on my truck. These panels, I have 10 of them. I bought 10 of these panels and they're four foot tall by, I'm sorry, they're six foot tall by four foot wide and they're 400 watts a piece. And at one, at, at some point I'm going to put those panels, like five of them across the top of this truck and do a 24 volt solar system on this truck. And I have an all in one a uh, solar charger converter. It's an all-in-one like you would put on like a uh, off-grid cabin. So I've got the solar system to put together to put on this, this snap-on truck. I've just never done it. And here's the inside of my truck right there. So there's my couch, there's my high my high bike chair, there's my 10 cubic inch refrigerator, my Xbox. Yep. Good times. I don't think we're going to have I don't I don't I just have a sneaky suspicion that RTR is not going to come back. I think uh Bob's done with it. I could be wrong. Uh, Matilda says, messed up my post. It deleted. Think RTR won't happen in 2022. I don't think it's going to happen again. I just have the sneaky suspicion that I think the last year, the last year it was good was 2019. And then in 2020, uh, you know, right before the pandemic, people don't realize this, but right before the pandemic was RTR. I mean, and then like a month later, I'll never forget it. This RTR, I was sitting there with, uh, with my buddy, Paul Barger. And uh, Lamont from, uh, God, what is Lamont's? I can't, never, can't remember Lamont's YouTube channel. Um, but my buddy Lamont and uh, Paul Barger, and we were sitting there and my phone, I got, because I have, I've been part of the news, the real news, like a stringer. So I have this app for reporters and for people that, you know, do news that gives me like a, it usually happens about 20 minutes before it's released, you know, on TMZ. So I can get stuff right before TMZ releases it. It's the same thing they get. TMZ gets the same thing. It's just an alert system for the news. And I got an alert saying that Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter crash. And so I was like, we were just blown away. So that was, that was what happened at RTR when Kobe Bryant's helicopter crash happened, we were at RTR 2020. And then with just a short time later, the pandemic, it was all pandemic went into full effect. Camper goer one says the RTR has done well. It's the BLM that wants to charge outrageous. Yeah. I heard like 50 grand or something like that for the last one. That's why Bob in 2020, they had it at the fairgrounds over in Parker, which just wasn't the same. We all went to the old party R where the RTR was. Uh, I just talked to Jamie last week. think he's going to do van build says he'll be announcing soon. Well, so the van build in Parker, well, that would be cool. That would probably get my buddy badge back down here. 
Matilda says the last year it happened. Many people were not happy with all the changes that happened. Yeah, that was, uh, like I said, it was over at the fairgrounds. So Bob and them were all over at the fairgrounds in Parker. And most of us didn't even go over there. We all went back to the original location where the RTR was or parked where the party R was. We didn't even go to Parker. We went to Parker for the van build. So that was what was crazy. So in 2020, I'm just going to put this out there. I know I don't know if Carolyn is still in here, but in 2020 or the or the end of 2019, going into 2020, one of the biggest problems for me was there was all of these all of these events. So we had we had van build. It started with van build 2019. So it was all right at the end of 2019. Van build 2019. Um that was like November, 2019, I think. So it was almost the 2020. So we had van build and then we all left. We were at van build for what a week or two weeks. If, if uh, anybody's in here that was at van build, we went to van build. So we're there for two weeks. Then we left van build and went directly over to court site to boondockers bash. So then there was boondockers bash in court site. So we were there for like a week and then we went right from boondockers bash directly to RTR. So for like a month, it was like one event after the other, but it was just the same people and like this whole same, I don't know. It was just too much. Oh, caravan. Carolyn's still here. Good to know. Yeah. So I, I think I saw you out there, Carolyn, but I know you were, you had your little spot that yeah, I think you still have now, uh, in, uh, is your place in Quartzsite? Where is your place? Or is it in Phoenix? I don't remember where it was. Oh, you know what? I don't think, I think you were at the long-term camping. Weren't you over at long-term with, uh, at one time with Pandemonium and them? With Aja? I can't remember. I just know that uh, Thanksgiving, November, what is Thanksgiving? Like the 27th or whatever? So we were at Van Build and Parker and a big group of us with Aja, um, destination open road. Um, who else was there? Oh, uh, uh, God, what's, uh, ranch cat ranch, nomad, nomad ranch. Uh, they were there. All of us went over to the casino. What is it? The blue water casino or whatever. We all went to Thanksgiving at the, casino there in Parker. We were all parked out in the parking lot there at the casino because there was supposed to be a big flash flood. So we all abandoned van build and all moved to the parking lot at the casino in Parker or the Walmart. Some people went to the Walmart and I'll never forget. I saw, uh, the night before the rain started, I saw, um, Jamie in his bus, his rig with his trailer and everything going right through Parker and he never stopped at the casino. And like the next day was Thanksgiving and we went into the casino and there was like 25 of us. And it was so funny because we got in there just at the right time. We walked in about 11 a.m. I think and made our reservation for a party of 25. And then there was people that were showing up like later and they was telling them it was going to be like a four to six hour wait. Hey, Carol, my friend Carol's in here. Good to see you, Carol. Uh, Glorious Life on Wheels. My, my good buddy Carol is in here. 
you haven't checked out her channel, be sure to check out uh, Glorious Life on Wheels. She has a whole uh, she has a whole um, fan base called the the Globies. Is that what they're called, Carol? And the Globies are love following Carol around. And Caravan Carolyn, be sure to check out her YouTube channel. RV Ashes in April. Hey, what's up? Good to see you guys. I was just going to run this thing for an hour and we just passed up an hour. Let's see, RV Ashes. I was there for Thanksgiving. Also, Mike and Steph. Yeah, that's right. Mike and Steph was there. How could I forget them? Yeah, there was a whole bunch of us. So RV Ashes in April. Were you the one with a little bus that uh that Mike and somebody else was doing your little solar setup in your bus? I remember if that was you. It was like a little short schoolie that uh Mike was literally, they were literally installing a new solar system because the original one wasn't, it was kind of uh a fire hazard. So they installed a new solar system for I thought that might have been you. RV ashes, but maybe not. Can't remember what that girl's name was. Her lady. She wasn't a girl. <laughs> Janice Williams. That's funny. Oh, I was home cooking dinner. Bragger. We all had to go to the casino because we were a bunch of nomads. Nobody thought out. Of, nobody thought out of turkey. Uh, Janice Williams says, "I ended up here because of Carol. She's such an enabler." That's so funny. Yeah, Carol sent me like probably 15 or 20 subscribers, which was insane. So thank you, Carol. Carol says, ha ha, I love enabling good people. RV Ashes says, that was Moo Moo Travels, Linda. Oh, oh, that was Moo Moo Travels. That's exactly right, Ashes. Thank you so much. So the one I was talking about, the, the lady that had the short bus that, Mike, uh, they, um, Mike was doing a complete install solar install for her just for the simple fact that she had solar, but it was so poorly hooked up. We were all scared. Her bus was going to catch on fire. So Mike, a lot of people give Mike a lot of crap, a lot of, but the truth is that guy took it upon himself, spent all day long and installed Moo Moo. He had her go get the stuff. She went and bought the stuff. I think she had to drive to that solar place in Quartzsite and buy the stuff. But she bought all the stuff. And then he went in and put a fuse in and put her new batteries in and put her new solar panels up there and the whole thing. So she would have a safe, adequate solar system and not one that would catch her bus on fire and burn it down. And he didn't ask a penny from her to do it. And he spent all day working on it, like two days. Caravan Carolyn says, I would have liked to like to go, but had to cook for my son. Oh, well, that's better to spend time with family anyway. But I will say really quick that I was not disappointed. None of us were disappointed in that meal. It was insane because I think it was, I think it was all you could eat for $19 or something like that. And it was delicious. Like I never get excited over like any kind of like restaurant food or especially when it comes to like holiday food, you think it's going to be pretty generic. It was delicious. The food was really good. 
I kind of like the fried turkey. I'm like a fried turkey guy where you put the turkey into the big fryer with a Cajun, the red Cajun pepper saw, uh, pepper seasoning stuff. I've kind of gotten used to that being in Texas and stuff when I had Thanksgiving, but this was just traditional turkey, but it was really good. I'm not a big turkey fan though, but it was really good. Uh, Matilda says that was very nice of Mike. Yeah, it really was very nice of Mike. Leslie Leha is it Lejas? Lejas is the J. Is the J silent, Leslie? Yes, thank you, Carol, for the introduction to Nomad News. Love your channel, Rav. Thank you so much, Leslie. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much, Carol. I don't know if you saw Carol. I did another spot uh, a couple episodes ago when you had me on your live stream. Carol says, I only introduce Globies to the best. It's funny. You had you and Care Van Carolyn, you guys have like some of the most loyal fan base. That's crazy. Jim Matilda says, geez, you're making me hungry. Uh, Godspeed Super Bees, what's going on? I'm also nomad and broken. I got to charge my phone. Have an awesome day, y'all. Oh, dude, is it you're nomad and broken? I didn't even realize that. You got a new channel or a new name. What's going on, man? Are you still uh, Are you still doing your live streams? What happened to you? I didn't realize that's who you were. You threw me off with your new uh, name. That should have read, I'm following a Leslie, but I don't know her channel name. Ah. And Carol says, that's because we're Laurel. So let me ask you this, Carol. I know a lot of people call you Glow for G-L-O-W, Glorious Life on Wheels. So are you going to change your uh, name from Carol and start uh, being referred to as Glow? Because I hear people calling you Glow, and then people were calling you Glow, and then they were calling you Carol. And I was like, well, who in the hell is Carol? And then I finally, I was looking through your channel and saw that you, your name was Carol. I was like, oh, Glow is Carol. I get it now. Yep, Carol, exactly. What I'm, I'll, uh, I'll second that, Matilda. Carol and Carolyn are both great women to watch. Very inspiring. I, I lost a lot a couple of years ago when I had a meltdown. Didn't we all? Leslie says she doesn't have a channel. Yeah, I missed the salad. I saw that video and I didn't get to watch it yet. So Carol says, just the fond nickname. I think you, I think you just need to make that your moniker, Carol. And just become glow. It's a good moniker to have. It is kind of funny though, because like I thought, or I was referring to you as glow. And then I was talking to somebody about glorious life on wheels. And they kept saying Carol. And I was like, Carol, who's Carol? And then I went through the description on your channel or something. And it said, uh, you were Carol. I was like, oh, I know what they were talking about now. Glow was Carol. 
Sometimes you have to have a meltdown to get your point across. Absolutely. So I just wanted uh, we're an hour and 16 minutes, and I wanted to keep this to an hour. Uh, but I just wanted to address something real quick. I got a few messages about my um, – I wanted to address why I stopped doing Nomad News when I started this channel about a year or two years ago. I started this thing uh, once I got out of my camper van and I wasn't traveling. I was static to LA. So I stopped doing nomad news for this reason. It bums me out. All of the people Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm above drama. I mean, we all have, it's just human nature, but I don't thrive off drama. And I kind of got, let myself get caught up into the deal between Mike uh, and can and uh, camper van Kevin. So I made a video and I kind of took Mike's side against camper van Kevin's because I know Mike uh, personally, and I didn't really know Kevin at the time. So I've looked back at that video and kind of regret it. But the thing I regret the most about that video is all of the videos I've done for nomad news. That video has the most views, the van life Sheldon's against camper van Kevin. Uh, it's just because the drama, you know, people soak it up, especially in the nomad community. Like if you go to the sailboat community, because I've looked at buying a sailboat, go watch some of the sailboat nomads, which I've actually thought about covering them on this channel as well, because they are nomads. And I watch four or five of those channels religiously and have for years. And I've looked at big sailboats to buy myself and backed out at the last minute. But, um, I, if you go watch their channels and look at their comments, it's such a different dynamic than what you get in the van life community. Um, so when I did that video with Kevin and, uh, the van life Sheldon's, I felt bad about it. I felt like I was just doing it for the clicks or for the views. Cause I knew it would get a lot of views and it would cause a lot more drama, which it did hundreds of comments. So I just kind of catered to that whole drama situation that was going on just to kind of test the waters to see what would happen. And sure enough, uh, it blew up and, you know, it was all over, you know, YouTube for a week or two weeks. I know it hurt camper van Kevin's feelings, uh, how about the whole thing. And even Mike and, you know, Mike and van life Sheldon's, they kind of got quiet about the whole thing. So it just, it just didn't set well with me that that was what out of all this stuff that I've been trying to put out, that was the video that really took off fast forward to today. So I was like, you know what? And then I went to RTR and uh van build and all of that stuff. And it just didn't vibe like it had in years before. So that was a big downer. Like I took everything that I have here. I took it in my truck to Arizona to do live podcast with van life members while I was there. And when I got there, I didn't know whether to set up in my truck or to set up outside or where to set up. And then finally, I'm like, I was sitting there one day, I got up in the morning. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to set everything up outside. And it had been beautiful. We'd been there for like three days and I wanted everybody to kind of get settled down and, you know, uh, get assimilated into the environment. I didn't want to just show up there and just start, you know, asking people right away, Hey, you want to be on the podcast? Hey, you want to be on the podcast? So I gave it a couple of days, like three days. We all got settled in. And, uh, then I started like, 
was going to have all my friends on the podcast. So I set everything up, all of this expensive ass equipment, even this microphone, I had everything set up outside there in the, de in the desert, uh, at court site at a party R. And as soon as I got everything set up, the wind started blowing and I had like a little pop up everything. As soon as I got everything set up, the wind picked up and started blowing like 45 or 50 miles an hour. So I literally had to tear everything back down. I put it in the truck. I ended up doing a one podcast while I was there, but it was just like the gods were against me. So I came back with a bad taste in my mouth about that. And, uh, I didn't, I planned on doing all of these videos while I was at the RTR and I recorded, I don't know how many, probably 10 or 15 videos while I was at fan build and RTR. And I just released maybe four or five of them. I just had a big, um, I just had a big, uh, bad taste in my mouth about the whole thing. And I just kind of dropped the nomad news at that point, but I've done a lot of thought about it and, uh, you know, it is what it is. And this time I'm just going to run with it, but I want to say, I want to address because I've got some hateful emails or hateful messages about my Morgan video that I literally just put out here a few days ago. So let's add it to add this to the stream. So just a few days ago, uh, I did a video about Morgan. We all know who Unstoppable Morgan is and, you know, people love to hate her or hate the lover or whatever right here. So if you go through, I just did Nomad Women Wednesday on Wednesday, which covers four different female nomads, two older female nomads and two younger female nomads, 183 views. Unstoppable Morgan's Unstoppable Livestream, 1.4 thousand views. Uh, mean comment of the week, 327 views. Uh, the, from two weeks ago, Nomad News, uh, Nomad Women Wednesday, 350. So the Unstoppable Morgan drama, everybody thought they were going to get a whole bunch of me talking about drama. So I've gotten hateful comments because I didn't, you know, say a bunch of hateful things about Morgan. So I've literally had people sending me messages talking about I'm a sellout and, you know, what am I trying to get in Morgan's pants by being so nice to her? It's just stupid, just stupid. And I'm going to tell all of you right now, that is one reason I go on hiatus from this Nomad News channel. And, you know, when I was at Nomad News, I had this, I mean, uh, when I was at RTR, I had this Hispanic guy walk up to me and he was about 50 yards away and he didn't come up to meet me. He didn't come up to talk to me or anything. He just walked up and he goes, Hey, Rav, he yelled at me. Hey, Rav. I'm like, Hey, what's up? He goes, when are you going to do another nomad news? We're waiting for the nomad news. I was like, wow. He goes, do another nomad news. And he turned around and walked away. I was like, wow. But I never really done another nomad news because it's like, I don't want to be a drama channel, but that's what, you know, that's what sells, but I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, if that's the case, I'll just hang it up because I'm not going to be now. I'm not going to say I won't cover some things that are drama related, but I'm not going to just put out, push out. I'm not going to push out 10 more unstoppable Morgan videos just because I know each one of them are going to get a thousand views. So here I'm on my soapbox again. But I just want to let you guys know that I want to, when I started this channel, uh, one of the main reasons I did it is because I've been in the news, the real news. I can show you guys real news where people are laying there dead 
and I'm recording it. You know what I'm saying? I've done real news. Uh, I've been at a scene where a little girl was hit by a car and threw through a window in a building and her leg was amputated from the knee to knee down. And I was one of the first four people there on the scene. So I've done real news. Uh, one of my very first big scoops or big things was when I lived in Dallas and I was a stringer for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, a 12 year old girl or 14, I'm sorry, 14 year old girl took her mother's car while her mother was asleep or something. I can't remember and took off to go joyriding in her car and picked up a couple of her friends and ran through the front of this daycare center called daylight daycare center in Dallas and Pleasant Grove, uh, Texas and trapped a little, a, a little girl underneath her car. And I was one of the first people there when that happened. So I've been around real news. So I know how real news works, but I don't want to just have this as a drama channel. And when I was at RTR in 2018 or 2019, uh, there was another channel that's a news channel that was being discussed and people were discussing it and I was discussing it. And I didn't have like any kind of like negative, negative vibe or anything, a, a negative point of view or a negative idea of that channel at the time. And one of the people that are one of my best nomad friends goes, that dude is like, mm, just didn't say very nice things. I was like, what? I was like, really? Or I, I said, do you think he will show up? I mean, do you think he'll come to the RTR? And that friend goes, I hope not. That dude's a freaking, mm. I was like, whoa. And then there was some other nomads around that said the same thing. They were like, yep, 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 yep. And then they started talking about, you know, he calls us like the bottom of YouTube. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So I see where this is going. And so I said, you know, what's funny? I said, because I've been in the news, I thought about doing a news channel and I've thought about doing a news channel, but I'm trying to get all of my equipment together. So, you know, it looks legit and I get it, I get it done right. And that's when that other channel popped up. And I said, I should go ahead and I said, I was thinking about doing it, but you know, now there's other channels that are doing it. So, you know, I don't know, but, and all of those nomads popped up and go, no, dude, you should do it because you should do it. You should do it. He goes, they go, you're no, you're the perfect representation because you know what we're doing. You know what we do. These guys don't know what the hell we're doing. You should do it. And I was like, huh? Yeah, maybe I should do it. And that is how this channel was born because this channel was called Vagabond Days. And I was living in my camper van traveling around the United States like every other nomad does. You know what I mean? Just doing the same that they're doing. So that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to take my experience of being, you know, doing news. Uh, you know, I've never done the news. I'm not an on-air personality. I'm what's called a stringer. So I show up with a camera and I'll record stuff the press conference or whatever. And then there's a girl that her name is Hattie Chang within the, who is a reporter and I give her my footage and then she puts her commentary with it. That's what a stringer does. So if you don't know who Hattie Chang is, I can show you who Hattie Chang is. Let's jump in here really quick. Is this stuff interesting to you guys or you guys don't even care? I wonder, uh, Oh, I thought she would come up and uh,
That's weird. There's Hattie right there. And so I've been a stringer for her for 10 years, I guess. So when I lived in downtown Long Beach, if anything ever went on, if anything ever went on, I would contact Hattie. I would go to the scene and get whatever video pictures that I was going to get. And then I would get it to Hattie and then she would pay me. And my phone is here somewhere. I can't give you her phone number. I can show you her contacts on my phone. And uh, what I'll do maybe next Friday. So I plan on doing these uh, live streams on Friday, Friday night live is what I plan on doing just on Friday nights on the Nomad News channel. So what I may do is, uh, or what I might do is I'll just, uh, I'll do one of my news stories because I still have video footage from uh, a shooting that I did a few years ago. What's going on with this thing? Contacts. I was saying Hattie, it's Hetty chain. So, whoops, I called her by accident. Trying to cover her number up. I don't know if you guys can see this, but there's her, there's her contact information on my phone. And when I lived in Dallas, I was a stringer or I worked for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, but I was a photographer, on-staff photographer for them. So I did stuff like shoot the Dallas Cowboys, shoot the Texas Rangers on the sidelines, stuff like that. More than I did. New I started out as a stringer, which they used to call like an ambulance chaser too. So I would go out to car wrecks. Oh my God. I did a lot of that because back in the day, you guys, some of you guys don't know this probably, but a lot of us know this. We're old enough to know that back in the day, the newspapers had pictures. So if there was a big car accident, it would make the front of the news. I'm the guy that took that picture. Get it? You had to have a photographer out there on scene to take those pictures. People didn't have cell phone cameras back then. So I had a real camera and I would be out there with a real camera taking real pictures for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And I made my very first major photo that went national or actually it was kind of went worldwide, but it mostly went national was my photo for the Fort Worth Star Telegram ended up being on the, my camera won't focus, focus camera. Uh, it ended up being on the front of Yahoo news back in 2002, 2003, maybe 2004. Remember Yahoo News? That was back when Yahoo was the biggest. Yahoo was Google then. There was no Google. There was no such thing as Google. Everything was Yahoo. There was AOL and there was Yahoo. So if you paid for a service at ISP, you had AOL. But if you didn't have the money to pay for AOL, you used Yahoo. 
But Yahoo was a lot bigger than AOL because it was free. So most people used Yahoo. And my photo of the, the Daylight Daycare Center was on the front of Yahoo. Tasha Teeling says, Stringer sounds dirty. Does, doesn't it? There's been movies. There's actually been movies like entitled like uh, Stringer. Let's see. News. even comes up i mean nobody even really uses that term anymore which is weird so straight new stringer a journalism a stringer is a freelance journalist photographer or video videographer who contributes reports photos or videos to a news organization on an ongoing basis but is paid individually for each piece each piece of published or broadcast work and that is absolutely the definition. And if you look over here to the right, see that picture of Bonnie and Clyde? It goes back for decades being a stringer. And you'd be surprised how many freaking people don't have never even heard the word stringer. I'm like, you don't know what a stringer is? Uh, who are stringers on the TV news? That video cameraman in most television stations might begin early or stop later than nine to five officers, but they, yeah. So a lot of time or all of the news, like for Hattie, Hattie keeps saying Hattie for Hattie, a uh, perfect example is she has a cameraman that she travels with. So if she's going to do a live spot, she has her cameraman. He's not a stringer. He's a staff. He's an on staff cameraman for NBC LA or, uh, uh, yeah, NBCLA and Hetty has they they go out as a team to do things during the day, but they can't be everywhere at once. So they have stringers. That's what I am. So like if something happens, like if there was a huge car accident out here uh, behind my building, I would grab my camera or this camera probably, and I would run out there and shoot some video, and video and pictures, and then I would upload it to Hetty right away so she would have it does that make sense and then she could go live when she gets here and have all of the video before any of the other news crews gets here and that's the way that works leslie says do you have to compete with other stringers to see who gets the photos published no you do not what you have to do is be the first one there so that's one reason I don't do stringer much anymore is because you've got to run like a bat out of hell to get there. Most of the stringer stuff I did, I do now. Now, when I was in Texas for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, I was mostly an on-staff photographer and I was using their equipment, like their cameras. They gave you a camera to do their, to do their photography and stuff. Still photography was huge back in those days. You made good money to be a photographer because people didn't have cell phones. Everybody couldn't just take a picture of the car accident. People would drive by it, but they didn't have any way to record it. So when you showed up with a camera, you took the pictures. Does that make sense? And so I worked for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. So the Dallas Morning News was our biggest competitor. So I would see uh, Scott, who was the Dallas Morning News photographer. We would both show up. I was there for Fort Worth Star-Telegram, even though I lived in Dallas. And he was, or Mesquite, and he was there for the Dallas Morning News. And I think he lived in Fort Worth, which was always so funny. Uh, but now what you do is it's whoever gets there first. When you're just a freelance stringer, it's whoever gets there first and whoever gets the best pictures. 
So you got to haul butt. So there's a couple of guys I know here in LA now, they drive like cop cars. They look like cop cars. They got them like at auctions and they're retired police cars and they're all fixed up like a freaking cop car. And anytime they have a radio, a scanner in their car, and they just kind of drive around areas. And as soon as they hear something, they drive like a bat out of hell to get to the location, to get the video and stuff of whatever has happened, a shooting, a car wreck or whatever it is, even like a, a structure fire. They even cover like structure fires. And the craziest thing about it is the, when I say those guys drive like a bat out of hell, I mean, they drive like a bat out of hell. They'll be going 70, 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour down the interstate running stop signs and everything, just like they're a cop car and the cops don't do anything because they know who they are. They just kind of let them do their job. It's so weird. And I've thought about it. I had an opportunity. I talked about on my other podcast about being a paparazzi. I had a friend of mine that was dating Britney Spears and he was making thirty, $40,000 a photograph. And that was very appealing, the money. But just like the drama aspect of this, I couldn't do it because I just felt like I was selling my soul. It wasn't worth the money to me to be like one of those dirtbag dudes chasing around celebrities and harassing them. And luckily for me, now I know so many celebrities on just like a real level, if that makes sense. And I never had to chase them around to, to do that. Carol says, Glorious Life on Wheels says, the internet has really changed everything about not only news, but also about singers, musicians being able to upload directly to the internet. Absolutely. You know, a lot of things are better, but then a lot of things aren't. Like it killed the photography industry. I mean, it just absolutely killed the photography industry. Oh my God, we're an hour and 30 minutes into this, guys. I'm surprised you guys aren't bored yet. Oh, the Nightcrawler, Tasha Teeling. So, uh, yeah, there was a, uh, was he, was the Nightcrawler about a stringer? The Nightcrawler was uh, Richard Ramirez. Oh, the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah, Nightcrawler. That's right. You're right, Tasha. That was a stringer movie. No, the stringer movie, right? Let's see. Trying to remember because you're right. There were, uh... yep. So he was a stringer. Oh, that's right. I have seen this with Jake Gyllenhaal. That does, uh, that does, has anybody seen this? Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal from 2014? Because if you've never seen this, it's a good movie and it actually does show you exactly what a stringer does. He, I forgot all about this movie, Tasha. Thank you. So, uh, literally what Jake does in this movie is, why do I keep hitting the wrong person? There we go. Uh, what he does in this movie is he literally becomes a stringer just on a stroke of luck. He basically sees what's happening and picks up a camera and becomes like a, a sought after stringer. I think in the LA market, if I remember, I've seen this movie, but it's been a long time ago. Uh, oh yeah. When Lewis Bloom, a con man desperate for work muscles into the world of LA crime journalism, he blurs the lines between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. Yeah. But that's exactly what he does. He's a stringer. Like he starts out in like this crappy ass, like car, like this little beater car. And then he starts making good money as a stringer and he buys like a Dodge charger or something like that. It's a good movie it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. If you haven't seen it, 
Random Nomad says, you're still alive. Yeah, I am, dude. Can you believe it? I'm going on a two-hour live stream. Uh, Tasha Teeling says, sick movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, it is actually a very good movie. It really is. If you've never seen it, it is a good movie. I'll agree with that. I'd forgot all about it until Tasha brought it up. Glorious Life on Will. So Carol says, "What? so what goals do you want to meet for your channel by the end of the year? That's a great question, Carol. So um, mostly what I want to do is I really want to concentrate. What I'm concentrating on is being consistent and actually getting at least two to five videos up a month, a week on this channel and being consistent. Because in the past, what has happened to this channel and my other channel, that's another problem. Some people here know, like Random Nomad, Matilda, know that I have two channels. The other channel is just, uh, it was a podcast that I've been doing for a year that just never really did much. Um, but I'm, re I'm rebranding that channel too, because both of these channels used to make decent, a little money every month. And now it's just, it's not that way. So I'm trying to work both channels, but I really want to cater to this channel. And the main thing is being consistent uh, and uploading consistently and not letting this channel go dormant, if that makes sense. Oh, no, Madam Broken, you're back, buddy. Good to see you, man. You know, I wondered what the hell happened to you, dude. Like, uh, so if you guys don't know, my buddy Nomad and Broken here, he used to do live streams like three, four times a week. And then he just kind of fell off like we do. You hit YouTube burnout. That's another thing that people don't do YouTube. You don't realize like you get burned out on it sometimes and you just have to take a break for your own mental health. But yeah, Carol, that's my that's my biggest goal is just be consistent. Uh, keep going. And I just I'd like to get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. That's like five months away. I don't know if it'll happen, but uh, I would definitely like to finally get to 10,000 subscribers. But, you know, it's more about the views than it is the subscribers. You know, I've had friends, I had some friends of mine that had like 85,000 subscribers, but their views weren't, weren't that great. And they didn't make a whole lot of money off their channel because their views weren't that great. Art Murphy, that's a new name. Art Murphy says, wow, Nomad News. Are, and, and I want to quit my stickers and my sticks and bricks, but my wife is concerned about not seeing the grandchildren. Now one grandchild is in college. How many grandchildren do you have, Art? You know, the thing about that is, as I hear that from time to time, there's a lot of retirees that live as nomads. Uh you know, and if you want to see your grandchildren, you're mobile. You know, I understand that, you know, the grandkids can come visit for a couple of weeks. And, you know, if you have a house and stuff, they can come stay with you for two or three weeks or whatever during the summer or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you can go park in their driveway. You know, you can go park wherever they're at. You have six grandkids. That's, uh, yeah, well, you'll be mobile. So you can just kind of move around. You know, and the other thing you can look at doing is, I don't know, are, are your grandkids in the same city or the same area? Because there's, if you have six grandkids, there's a possibility that they may be spread out, you know, different parts of the country, different parts of a state. And you could literally go from place to place and you could rent an Airbnb. Just because you're in a vehicle doesn't mean you have to be in the vehicle 24-7, seven days a week. So you could, you know, if you're, 
let's take for instance, Colorado. If you know, uh, you, you know, one grandkid is in Denver, one grandkid is in Colorado Springs. You could drive to Colorado Springs and rent an Airbnb for two or three days and let the grandkids stay with you. Go to Denver, rent an Airbnb. You know, you don't have to bring the, the grandkids into the car or into the RV. I mean, you could, you know, to drive to the grocery store and stuff, but you can rent an Airbnb for a few days or even a hotel. But I would, I would recommend an Airbnb because it's a little bit more personable than a hotel unless you're hooked on room service. Mm, let's see. Carol says, Cloris Lifeline Will says, I know someone with under 20,000 and they are just knocking it out of the park because of views. Absolutely, Carol. So for you guys that are doing YouTube or may not be doing YouTube, I want to emphasize that to you. Worry more about your views than how many subscribers you have. That's a misconception for you people that don't do, that do not do YouTube. That is a misconception. You don't make anything off your subscribers. The only thing you make off your subscribers is building up kind of a family. Like Carol has the Globies. That's like her fan base. Those are her, you know, I read a book. Uh, what is his name on YouTube? It's called your 100 super fans or something like that. What is that kid's name? I can't think of his name. Does anybody know? Uh, it's called your 100 super fans. Let me see if I can look that up. So I recommend this book. It's a kid. He's like a YouTube guru. He's been on YouTube for years. He was a podcaster before. Um, and this book, let me see if I can find it. No, it didn't show it. There's people that's ripped him off. So when I pull that up, it's other people that comes up. Maybe I'll try to find it in another episode so I can recommend it to you guys. Uh, but it's this guy. He wrote this book. It's called 100 Super Fans. And basically what he tells you in this book is you don't need 100,000 subscribers on YouTube to make a living at YouTube. But what you do need is a hundred super fans. That means a hundred people that'll watch everything that you put out, that'll buy all of your merch. Like these are my American nomad caps, uh, you know, and like, I have like some people that are in this chat that I feel like are my super fans, like, uh, Matilda, uh, even nomad and broken, uh, you know, those, uh, no random nomad random nomad is like those guys watch whatever I do. You know what I mean? And those are your real base. Those are the people that are going to, you know, look at everything you do when most people are just fair weathered fans it means, you know, unless you make a video that's really appealing to them, they may just watch a little bit of it or some of it. And then you have people that are really pay attention to what you're doing. And those are the super fans. And that's what you want to that's what you want. That's what you need is the people that are really going to pay attention to what you're putting out. Joel Pittman. So Joel Pittman says, Rav Holly, you rock. Joel, I appreciate that. So if you got your schoolie finished, if you guys are into schoolies or schoolie build out, Joel has been building out a schoolie. I think he just finished it. What a few months ago. I think it's finished now, right? You pretty much done with it. So run over there to Joel, check out Joel. He's got a, Amazing schoolie that he built out. If you're into schoolies. Let's 
So my buddy, Nomad and Broken, says, I spent all of my money not working, got to Arizona, and my van broke down in a parking lot, and I got towed. Oh, no. I spent a few months totally homeless until I got the van I have now. I've just had not had the heart. Dude, man, I hate to hear that. So for my buddy, Nomad and Broken, most people don't know this. He was living up in, weren't you up in Pennsylvania or somewhere up there living in your van? But he works on bowling equipment for like bowling alleys. He's a bowling equipment expert. And so during the pandemic, nobody was bowling. So he was pretty much stuck like Chuck, which he's not the only one. I mean, probably, probably what, you know, 70 out of a hundred people were stuck like Chuck and have just been struggling through the last pandemic, the last year and a half of this pandemic. I hate to hear that man though. I mean, you know, that's another thing, you know, with like government agencies, you know, like as much as I rail on, on Los Angeles and talk a lot of, sh a lot of sh about Los Angeles, they stopped towing people during the pandemic. Like they didn't give any parking tickets. There was no towing. They did none of that stuff. And the County of Los Angeles makes millions, millions of dollars a month. They're like parking Nazis is what I call them. But during the pandemic, they weren't towing anybody or anything. Now, I will say before I got my last rig sold, they towed it and it cost me $2,200 to get it out of tow. And it was in there for like eight hours, six hours. I had to go get all of this crap. Like I got there to tow and then they're like, nope, we don't take uh, credit cards. You have to bring cash. $2,200 cash. The banks were closed. So it was a nightmare. But they quit writing parking tickets and that kind of stuff. See, Art Murphy says they are close to us. Thank you for answering my questions. Yeah, Art. Yeah, you could. You know, the thing about uh, being a nomad or living nomadically or living in a vehicle, it's whether you want to do it or not. A lot of people think about it and think they want to do it, but unless you just get out there and do it, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was telling them, you know, that people struggle with an idea of what is the key to life? What is the key to life? And for me, when I, people ask me, what's the key to life or what do you think the key to life is? The key to life is just moving forward just doing it. So many people in the world get, get petrified by fear. That's like when I, in my, my newscast, I said, when I say that's my little saying, everything you've ever wanted is sitting right on the other side of fear. And that's so true because so many people get so, they get so paralyzed in fear. They want to do something. Just like when I was a kid, I was terrified of the water. I didn't, I, I wanted to learn how to swim. All my cousins knew how to swim. Everybody knew how to swim. I was the only one that didn't know how to swim. And I was terrified of the water. And then I got an inner tube, like an old inner tube. I'm older than dirt. So some of us can remember like a real car inner tube, but my dad blew up a car inner tube out of a old inner tube. He took out of a tire, he patched it and made me an inner tube. So when I was like five years old, I could hold on to that inner tube and I wasn't scared of the water because I could actually sit in the inner tube and float. Now kids have floaties and stuff. Back in the old days, a car seat was the back of a pickup truck. You know what I mean? For me, for us uh, Gen Xers. But anyway, so he blew, he, he aired up a freaking inner tube 
a car that went in a tire, car tire, and that's what I had as a flotation device. And so that inner tube gave me all the confidence in the world to be in the water. So we had like what was called a dirt pond out on our ranch that wasn't, it was for irrigation. So there was no cattle drinking out of it or anything like that. So it was very clean water, but it was about six or seven, eight foot deep in places. And that's where we would have like whole family gatherings for my aunts and uncles. And they would be like 25, 30, 40 of us, you know, once every two or three months, you know, during the summer, the family wasn't working cattle or we weren't doing things on the ranch. We'd have a family outing and we'd all gather at the freaking dirt pond and we would swim. And so all of my cousins was, you know, they were doing, you know, diving in and doing backflips into the water. And I was terrified. My dad blew up the inner tube, gave me all the confidence in the world. Uh, The first time we're out there on the pond and I'm in my inner tube after like two or three hours, we would only stay out there maybe three, four hours, but we'd been out there about half the time we were going to be out there. And I was showing off in front of my other cousin, who's a girl, you know, all these things I could do on my inner tube. So I'm like getting up on the side of it and, you know, just laying on it and just playing. Cause I have all the confidence in the world now, as long as I had that inner tube, even though I didn't know how to swim, I felt safe because of that inner tube. Well, I got up, if you know, an inner tube, I got up on the side of it and straddled it and it flipped because I was riding it like this. And then it, my weight flipped it over. So it literally flipped right upside down and it was holding my head underwater because my leg was sticking up through the top of it. So I'm stuck upside down and I was terrified to be under the water as, as it was. So now I'm upside down in the water and I just remember looking around going, Oh no. And I was like five or six years old. I don't even think I was in kindergarten yet, maybe in kindergarten. And I, I, remember pulling my leg out and I could hear my other cousin, my girl cousin screaming, but there was no adults anywhere close to us. So, and all of the adults, my dad, my uncles, they're all trying to run through the water, which if you try to run through the water, everybody knows it doesn't work. So nobody like takes off swimming. Everybody's like trying to run through the water to get to me because everybody's panicking. So I ended up pulling my leg out and then I sunk to the bottom of the pond, which is about in the middle, which was about eight foot deep. And I was probably, you know, three and a half, four foot tall, maybe or three and a half foot tall. And so I just remember looking up at the, like, it was like where the ceiling is thinking like, oh, wow, there's no way, man, I'll ever get there. I'm done. I just remember being a little tiny kid thinking, this is it. I'm done. And then I remember thinking, you know what? I'm at least going to try. So I just started like kicking and like swimming. And the next thing I knew, I popped my head up over the water and was treading water. And I was coughing and choking because I was swallowing water. And about that time, my dad, who's huge, he's like 6'4", weighs like 250 pounds. He reached out and grabbed me and just picked me up. And that taught me right there is don't be terrified of your fear. Within the next time we went back out there, I knew how to swim. I didn't, I wasn't worried about anything. I knew how to swim. I knew I could just kick and paddle and I could swim. And so the next time we went out there, I just got right back in the water. Everybody thought I was going to be terrified of the water. I just got right back in the water and just started kicking around and swimming and sinking. I stayed close to the shore, but I started kicking around and swimming and I would sink and paddle back up. 
And so I tell everybody that taught me a life lesson. Don't be paralyzed for your fear. That's the meaning of life. You want to know what the meaning of life is? Move forward. Like Nike says, just do it. If you're thinking about van life, you're only going to live this one life here. So just do it. There, you don't want to be sitting in an old folks home and, you know, however many years thinking, oh man, I, you know, I should have worked more. I should have spent more time at the office and I'm, you know, I'm not even worried about that van life thing or RV life thing. That doesn't, you know, no, you'll be sitting there going, man, I just wonder what that would have been like if I had bought an RV and, you know, just went traveling around the national park, the national park and, you know, place to place. If you haven't done it, just do it. If you don't like it, you can always go back to sticks and bricks. Always. Anyway, guys, we're pushing two hours. So I'm going to wrap this thing up at two hours. I said an hour, but I can't shut up. So. Hopefully some of you are still with me here. Uh, Tasha Teeling says they only take cash, so can't dispute. I don't know what we're talking about here. Uh, Janice says, for all its ills, I love L.A. You know what, Janice? Uh, I used to feel the same way, but now I have a real love-hate relationship with the city. But this city has blessed me in so many ways. You know what I mean? I lived in Dallas for many, many years. Um, and I've been, you know, as much as I talk crap about LA nowadays, uh, for all the problems that we have in the city, it's really blessed me with a lot of things that I wouldn't have gotten at any other city. Uh, Joel P Joel P says just did frontier days in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Oh man. I haven't been to Cheyenne in so many years or Casper, but I've been there. Tasha Teeling says Chicago was like that too. The one grace of liberal safe havens. True that. Oh, Freedom Dove. Wow. Welcome, Freedom Dove. Good to see you. Uh, just running this uh, Nomad News podcast. You got here just at the end of it, tail end of it. We got about four minutes left, two minutes left. Gypsy Owls says, uh, what are we talking about, Gypsy? Gypsy says, Random Nomad is here at my house and says he's checking out the stream. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Is he checking it out on, uh, oh, he's on Twitch? Or is he on Twitch or is he on uh, YouTube? Because we're, simulta- we're simulcasting this. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch right now, all at the same time. Uh, Carol, thank you so much for dropping in, Carol. Carol says, take care, Rav. See you later. Joel P says, just had to turn on our heater. Ooh, yeah, up there in Ca- at Casper. Uh, me too, adios all. Great evening. Thanks, no fear to track. All right, guys. That is going to do it for this episode of Friday Night Live. Thank you guys so, so, so much for uh, joining in this evening. I really appreciate it. Really didn't plan to go this long. Uh, just kind of just getting shut up. Leslie, thank you so much, Leslie, for stopping by. I really appreciate you guys showing up. And I plan on doing this live broadcast. Hopefully we'll see. I'm going to try to schedule it for every Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you want to show up next Friday, we'll try to do it again. I'm going to try to keep it to an hour, though. I kind of got carried away here. Uh, 
So these, I do load them to the American Nomad podcast. I have a podcast. It's the American Nomad podcast. I'll leave a link down in the description. So if you just want to listen and you don't have time to sit here and watch the podcast, or maybe you come in, you can only be here for 30 minutes or so, but you want to see what else was said. It's on Apple iTunes. It's on Stitcher Radio. It's on Spotify. It's on all the podcasts. So you can go download it. I'll be loading it up there and it should be up there by in the morning. Sumner Travels. Thank you so much. Have a great night, Sumner Travels. Good to see you. Good to see everybody. Camper Van Carolyn, Joel P., Gypsy Owls, all of you guys. Freedom Dove, Tasha Teeling, Nomad Unbroken, uh, Art Murphy. Let's see if I can go back through here. Janice Williams, Leslie Lejas, Caravan Carolyn, Matilda. Uh, no fair to track all of you guys, a whole bunch of you guys. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Nomad News Friday Night Live. Hopefully we will see you guys back here again next Friday for another episode, another, another episode of Friday Night Live. And remember, everything you've ever wanted is setting right on the other side of fear. wrong one.